You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Norm Lewis, and this is The Fabulous Invalid. Welcome to The Fabulous Invalid, a Broadway-centric podcast where we take an in-depth look at the theater through interviews with actors, writers, directors, designers, and everyone in between. I'm Jamie Dumont, a recovering Broadway marketer, personal chef, and event planner. I'm Rob Russo, writer and theater critic with Stage Left at NYC. And I'm Jennifer Smart, currently appearing on Broadway in Mean Girls. Hi! Hello, hello. Hello. Jennifer, Rob, how's it going? Great. Yay. Good. It's good to be back in the pink room with you. With you we all. are back in the pink back room. In the pink room. And we- the art has been hung. You know, for, for the past year that we've been recording, there have been a couple pieces of art just laying on the floor against the wall. But now we're in this, like gallery. Well, I've been using the Liz Smith piece of art as like covering on the window so that it doesn't distract me, but like I I've been propping this large photograph yeah. <laughs> up on the one window that looks out into the rest of the office because it helps me not get distracted and now it's on the wall so I have nothing right. <laughs> I, I have nothing to keep me focused. You're reminding me when you said that there were photographs on the ground that um uh, for years, whenever I would move, I would inevitably not unpack about three or four boxes. But I found out they make a great coffee table if you just drape some scarves over them. <laughs> oh, there, there we go. There it's was all a, about the scarves. There was a year where I had a cardboard coffee table <laughs> in my in my twenties, which okay. was about last year. Who like, didn't have a cardboard yeah. coffee table You're in their twenties? Well, speaking of, of makeshift uh, uh, things, <laughs> we <laughs> celebrated wow. the, uh, the Broadway flea market yesterday, which is always this like wonderful annual gathering of show folk on 44th and 45th Street. Uh, what, made me th- what made me think of it is the cardboard boxes. Uh, you know, boxes on tables up and down the street full of playbills and other merchandise and stuff that people have pulled out of their attic, it seems like. But uh, a lot of really great gems. And we had our own table this year, which was really, really special. We did. Um, and uh, we raised a lot of money for a fantastic cause. It was a lot of fun. I loved it. it was, it's my favorite event that Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS hosts. I've enjoyed it since the early 90s. Yeah. And it really is a team effort because a lot of people have two shows on Sundays. Right. The stage managers of every show are really the unsung heroes as far as Broadway show goes. They, I mean, they get up the earliest. They're packing so many things. And... Um, Truly, to see the fans so excited and yeah. to see it through their eyes re- makes me refall in love with why we do this. And in addition to raising money for right. this incredible cause, it, it is such a boost. I mean, Jamie, you can you can share. We were you know we we were selling playbills at our table that I've collected over the years. And, um, you know, the folks coming through are, are just so energized, but especially the young people. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, I, I don't see that. I mean, I'm sure you see it more at, at the stage door, right? But oh, like, yeah. Gosh, the energy and the excitement and the love that they have for this art form is so energizing. Well, I have to say two things. One, we had a small little um, speaker that we were playing yes. some music on, mostly for our enjoyment, really. But as people were listening, as people were looking through the playbills, you would catch them singing along to Spring Awakening or The Prom, which were two shows that we were playing. And it was so interesting that, like, watching these young people, I think Rob and I both looked at each other and said, that was us. Right. Right. We were, (laughs) you know, I was going to put this on Twitter and then I thought better of it, but I'm going to say this. There's no nerd quite like a theater nerd. Theater nerds are the greatest people on the planet. That's so Love real. It. No, I mean, not to, to be morose about it, but after the, the school shooting in Florida uh, at uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, um, you know, those kids were amazing, right? And, of course, it came out in the weeks 
afterwards that they were all theater kids, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and I was not surprised by that at all, no. right? And the last thing I have to say about the flea market, although yes. it's probably not the last thing I will say, <laughs> is I love that Rob called it his Christmas. It's my Christmas. And it truly Aww. was. As someone who stood next to you for a very long Almost time like yesterday. 12 hours. Like 12 <laughs> hours. Which is also not, I mean, we, I think we've had longer stretches together. <laughs> but the point is, you really were like a kid at Christmas. Oh, you so were fun. so in your element. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. You, you... Well, you I mean, are my favorite theater geek, Rob. Oh, thank you. Aww. Well, and, and I, I was that kid. I mean, I used yeah. to go to the flea market, you know, in the, yeah. in the 90s when I was a, a, a high school kid. I'm also and grateful for the table's location yesterday because oh, yeah. you were like two down from Mean Girls. I know, so you I guys were able, so close. I was actually able to hop back and forth yeah. and then go to the autograph table, which was yeah. under juniors. Right. So it was, I was, I was like touching base and I was like, whoever planned this, thank you. Right. Well, <laughs> it gets said a lot and sometimes I feel like it almost can feel trite, but... Broadway really is a community. And, mm -hmm. and a, a day like the flea market, is, it, you're, it, it's such a powerful reminder of that. 100%. Yeah, it was a great day. Well, on that note, I think we should get to our guest, Norm Lewis. Let's do it. Yep. Today we're thrilled to be sitting down with one of the American theater's greatest leading men, a veteran of 12 Broadway shows, from The Who's Tommy to Once on This Island, Norm Lewis made history as the first African-American actor to play the title role in The Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. Recently seen as Harold Hill in The Music Man at the Kennedy Center and in Jesus Christ Superstar Live in concert on NBC, you might also know Norm from his recurring role in the TV series Scandal, a recording artist, concert performer, and Tony, Drama Desk, Drama League, and Outer Critics Circle Award nominee, Norm Lewis, welcome to The Fabulous Invalid. And the crowd goes wild! Thank you for that. How is it listening to those credits? It's, That's quite it's, something. It's amazing. I'm like, who is that person? Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. He's you. He's me! You're all of those people. Well, <laughs> Norm, thank you for coming down and, and carving out some time. I I know you actually have to get back to rehearsal because tonight you are performing at a concert at 54 Below for the New York Pops. Yes, yeah, I'm very excited about that. Can you tell us a little bit about the concert? Well, the concert, it's really not really, it's really not really, okay, okay, I speak English. Uh, it's <laughs> not really a concert per se, it's more of a celebration. I just, um, you know, we are honoring uh, a young man by the name of Ron, Ron, uh, uh, Schaefer, right, that's the name, Ron Schaefer, um, and celebrating also New York Pops educational outreach. And that's the most important part. We just want to kind of like tell people what New York Pops does besides uh, doing great work on, you know, Carnegie Hall stages. But um, yeah, we're going to just have a really good time. I'm just going to sing some songs that people know me for and a couple of other ones that people don't know me for and um, just have a nice little celebration. This will air after your concert. Yes. Um, yes. So we're not spoiling anything by asking you what is on your set list that you're most excited My to My set sing? list. <laughs> Funny enough, uh, we were. I've been going back and forth on a lot of different songs because you know there's such a catalog of of wonderful things that I love to sing. But uh, I'm gonna do, or I would have done <laughs> by now, uh, the Impossible Dream, uh, which is just one of those songs that just grabs you. You know, um, I just I remember seeing. Uh, Brian Stokes Mitchell playing that part and hearing his voice. And so I've always just admired, um, uh, my, I remember my sister looking at the Tony Awards that year that he was nominated for that show. And she, she called me right away. She was like, who the hell is that? So uh, I've always just wanted to have a, a grasp at that song. Um, and uh, definitely uh, I got plenty of nothing from Porgy and Bess. Um, stars. Um, things like that, the shows that I've been a part of. Are there songs that people request you to sing that you think, I don't want to sing that? Do, I have to, do you ever have to come up with that? Well, funny enough, because I've done Porgy and Bess, some people get confused and they want me to sing Old Man River because they think that's from Porgy and Bess, which is fine. I don't mind singing Old Man River. Uh, I love that song, but it's yeah. not a Gershwin piece. I, I have a side note. It's, yeah. I, this should be I should, Broadway miscast. 
When I was nine years old, yeah. I auditioned for The Wizard of Oz in Manchester, New Hampshire, uh -huh. and the song that I thought would be great, oh no, it was for A Christmas Carol as uh -huh. one of the orphans or urchins, and the song I thought would be just fabulous to sing was I Got Plenty of Nothing. Yes. So that's what I, at t nine or 10 years old. Yes, yes. Well, just no. No, yeah, so no, no. What, no where great. were the adults in the room? No. no. If, you go on no. if you go on YouTube right now, there is a version that Cheetah Rivera does. Really? Of I Got Plenty of Nothing. Okay. And she's dancing. <laughs> of course. All right, yeah. well, I guess it's not so bad. I assume it's from a while ago, this, this, this version. Yeah, I think, yeah. actually, I think it's black and white. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Cheetah Rivera. I got plenty of nothing, and nothing's ready for me. I got no car, got no mule, got no misery. Folks with plenty, plenty, got a lot of a door. Afraid somebody's gonna rob them while they're out making more. What for? That's no way to be You can steal the rug from the floor That's okay with me Cause the things that I prize Like the stars and the skies are all free Wee! I got plenty of nothing And nothing's plenty for me I got my man, got my song Heaven the holy law No use complaining Got my God Got my God I don't mind doing the whole miscast, you know, gender fluid kind of thing okay. because my first audition song when I got here was uh, Before the Parade Passes By oh. from Hello Dolly. Oh, and I had gosh. just done the show and the baritone part of that, you know, the chorus is the melody. And it has a perfect 16 bars. It also has a perfect 32 bars. And every time I would audition, I would always get people who never stopped me at 16 bars. Okay. So, and Seth was one of the first people. Seth Rudesky mm -hmm. was one of the first people I auditioned for. And there's a funny story yeah. behind that. But we got since you, long. I know, but since you bring up <laughs> Seth, this was what I was telling them before. I said, wait, I don't know if you remember, but the, I remember specifically when I met you. It was the winter of 1993 into 1994. We were singing at St. Clair's Hospital. Oh, yes. In the prison AIDS ward. Yes. Um, that Seth organized called Hearts and Voices. Yes. And it was just Seth, you, me, and a lady by the name of Audra Ann McDonald. Audra Ann, yeah. And she yeah. had just been cast in Carousel. It hadn't started yet. Oh. And I remember Seth introducing us, because he, we were friends, and he was just effing with me, but he introduced us to the prisoners and, and, yeah. to, and the patients. He introduced us, he's like, so I'm so happy to have with me here today Broadway star Norm Lewis, Broadway star Audra Ann McDonald, Jennifer Samard, vocal coach student. <laughs> so, that's amazing. Yeah, that's that's, how, that's amazing. when we met. And look where you are now. A vocal coach student. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Just because you were a young pup, you know, we I were was, old. We were old. I'm not, boo, I think we're the same age. -ish. I don't think so. No? Nope. nope. <laughs> I could be your father. Real, I'm 49. You could be, oh, oh wow. That's yeah, but I look me. good, boo. Yeah, you <laughs> Are you going to make me cut that later? No. Wow. No, I don't care. Oh. Good, she's empowered. Good. Yeah. Hey, you know what? It's, number. You know what I always say? If you're going to lie about your age, lie up. Yeah. Because then people say you look fabulous. fabulous. But, you look I, yeah. Yeah. but I, sorry, I think I, no, you know, as the Wall Street Journal, like they, when you do interviews with them, they insist that you say your age. So it's out there. I mean, if someone cared enough, they could go figure it out. Yeah. Everyone's out, your age yeah. is out there. And is the, your age out there, Rob? Do people know your? I don't know. I have to Google myself. Yeah. <laughs> I've never done that. Are you kidding? No, me and J-Lo, we look fierce. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes. Yes, you do. Sorry. This is about Norm, not about me. Sorry, everyone. Sorry. No, it's about empowerment. No, I love this. There you go. Empowerment is a good conversation yeah. to have, so there's always room for that. Yeah. I'm so grateful that you're doing this concert tonight. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the New York Pops. Yeah. I, I you know, go to all their concerts at Carnegie Hall. Um, and one of the things I love about the Pops, speaking of empowerment, is the ways in which their education programs inspire children and young people. People, um, to foster their own creativity mm -hmm. and um, nurture that need that we all have, you know, to express ourselves yeah. creatively. Uh, creatively. Um, I'm wondering, when you think back to your own childhood, uh, what was your introduction to music and, and singing? Well, I grew up in the church, so that was the first thing. Um, I didn't know I could sing, and I tell this story all the time, but I didn't know I could sing until I was 17. But wow. I had been singing, uh, I guess, starting at age nine or whatever, because my father was the chairman of the deacon board, and my grandfather was a preacher. So I basically, it was a rite of passage just to kind of join the choir. I don't know how good or bad we sounded, but we made a joyful noise. Um, <laughs> And then at age 17 was when I was uh, uh, confronted with picking 
um, what do you call those, uh, electives for high school. And they had me in home economics, and I was like, eh, I don't want to be cooking. So I said, oh, I sing in church. Maybe I'll go and join the choir. It'll be easy. I'll meet girls. It'll be like a fun thing to do. Next thing I know, I didn't realize that it was going to be this explosion of music that I've heard but never sung before. And I just fell in love. It was my aha moment. And so from that point, earlier, I would say another introduction was back in the day, we would go in elementary school to listen to orchestras like the New York Pops and just sit there. We would have to dress up. We had to get a special permission from our, our parents, but we would dress up in suits and ties and everything and girls in their pretty dresses, and we would go and listen to the orchestra. Some of us would fall asleep or whatever, but, <laughs> but, but it was almost a requirement. And so I don't know if those kinds of programs are, are even exist anymore. So this is ex uh, really important that the New York Pops has this outreach. It's a huge outreach. I mean, I think yeah. they, they reach 5,000 students oh. uh, through Pops Ed every year. I had year. no idea. I didn't and, know yeah, yeah. Through, through New York City Public Schools, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big number. It yeah. is a big number. Yeah. I had no idea. Looking at your career, I mean, mm -hmm. you have had such an impressive uh, a, a range of roles that you've played yeah. um, and touching in different traditions in the musical theater, right? We've talked about Porgy and Bess. Right. Um, but also you've become an interpreter of the Sondheim songbook yeah. and the Kander and Neb songbook, which are both very different. Yeah. And then more contemporary, you know, offerings like Angela Weber or Michael John Lucia. Um, what do you um, chalk up to that versatility? Is it something in your training or is it... Uh, how do you explain? I don't know. All I remember yeah. is that I was the kid that didn't really have that, that gospel voice. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I always got the pretty songs, you know, when I sang in church. But so I guess my love started when I was listening to, you know, my heroes were uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. I wanted to be Dean Martin so bad. <laughs> I wanted to, you know, a mix of who Sammy was and Dean. Um, but my favorite, favorite singer is to this day Johnny Mathis. So I think I not imitated them, but I emulated them. And so my voice, I guess, lended itself. Lended it, is that a word? Uh, <laughs> lent, thank you. I like lended it. I think we're gonna make a new word. Uh, itself to, to that sort of genre and that sort of style of singing. So I think maybe that's why, um, you know, I uh, have been able to be in spaces that not a lot of uh, minorities have been in, which I hope will now change. And I think because of those people I listen to, maybe that's why. There was some controversy over some of the revisions with your production of Porgy and Bess, mm -hmm. and I'm wondering how you feel about taking a fresh look at an old masterpiece. Well, what was so interesting about that whole period was, you know, we were, we, like I was, you know, called uh, uh, personally by the Gershwins, but the Gershwins commissioned um, the, the creative staff to see if they could do something with the show, because it has for years been in opera houses. I think it had been on Broadway some years back because we were a revival, but you know, this was a show that is operatically sung, uh, has a 70-piece or 100-piece mm. orchestra usually, so it's going to be difficult <laughs> to put that on a Broadway stage. So they wanted to have it more accessible, if you will. So what they decided to do was change some of the recitative into dialogue. And then, of course, we're going to do the greatest hits. Like, I got plenty of nothing in some summertime. But what was interesting about that time was um, there was a young man by the name of Stephen... Stephen Sondheim. Sondheim, yeah. that's his name. Um, he, he wrote this letter to the New York Times, and people just jumped on the bandwagon and just said, yeah, Stephen, you're right. Of course we shouldn't change a classic, blah, blah, blah. And he lambasted, he lambasted us uh, for, because what had happened, there was a, we had interview, uh, uh, invited a, an, uh, a reporter from the New York Times to come and see our rehearsals up in Cambridge. And we hadn't finished anything yet. We were just trying new things. Again, with the Gershwin's permission. There were certain things that they would let us do. There were certain things they wouldn't let us do. So um, from that article, we hadn't even previewed yet. We were still in rehearsals. And uh, Mr. Sondheim wrote a letter saying it shouldn't be touched. These archetypes are you know, pure and fluid and, and thought out, full, you know, fully fleshed out. And the argument to that was that Diane and uh, Audra McDonald and also Susan Laurie Parks and myself, I even, but they, they focused on the women, but they were not fleshed out. I mean, if we were talking about uh, stereotypes and archetypes, we got to give them some sort of background. We can't just say, 
this is how they are, and that's it. Um, this was an observation by these three men, DeBose Haywood, uh, George and Ira Gershwin. They were observing these people. They didn't live with those people. They, they could sim you know, kind of understand a little bit of what they went through, but they were telling it from their perspective. Now you're asking a black person and black people to give their interpretation of who we are. Mm -hmm. So let us flesh this out. Why was uh, Audra or Bess a crack addict whore? You know, what, what, and she just did, she wasn't born that way. <laughs> so Audra did some digging and, and read the book and also looked into some people at that time and uh, decided to have this battle with the cocaine that she was being given. And it made it a little bit more interesting instead of her just taking it and just like, okay, I'm free and having a party now. She even went so far as to have a scar put on her face every night because in the book, it explained that she did have a scar and she was beaten by a lot of those men. She was never really cared for. They used her. But, uh, Porgy was the first person that actually loved her and actually gave her things, and, and so she was trying to make herself better for him. So anyway, we can go into a whole yeah. dialogue about this, but I think people feel like this is America's opera. You know, it's, it's done by these Americans, and it has been an ambassador overseas to other countries, uh, and has said this is what uh, America can give as far as this kind of music. So I think people feel an ownership to it, so that's why they were kind of, you know, the purists were out there. It's interesting. Jamie and I were, were recently talking about this, about how for an art form that is all about pushing boundaries mm -hmm. and you know exploring humanity, sometimes we can be a little too conservative in the way yeah. we treat the musicals and operas and you know traditions that we love, yeah. right? And it you know can prevent them from being accessible to new generations. Absolutely. Or, or revisited. Well, what's interesting about it was ninety-five percent of our audience had never seen the show. Right. They knew, I hadn't seen it before I saw it. They knew the music, yeah. but they'd never seen the show. They didn't know what summertime meant. They didn't know what I Got Plenty of Nothing meant. Right. They had just heard it on variety shows. Right. You know what I mean? Or their mom singing it to them as a lullaby. I got plenty of nothing and nothing's plenty for me. I got my gal. I got my song. Got him the whole day I, I loved this production. I saw it in Cambridge. Oh, I saw thanks. it several times on Broadway. And I took my, at the time, 15-year-old niece mm -hmm. to see it um, because I thought, and there were lots of other things on Broadway she wanted to see, right. no offense to anyone. <laughs> right. um, but I, I, we sort of forced her to go, and she loved it. Okay. And it affected her deeply, and she became... Uh, a fan of of Porgy and Bess, sort of sort of globally, the mm -hmm. whole the whole kit and caboodle, and I think it was your production was so accessible, especially to a younger person right. that it allowed. Her, whereas if I had taken her to the four hour opera, she, I don't think she would have gotten it in the same way that she did yeah. with your production. Yeah. It was a really great way to open it up to a whole new audience. We heard that a lot, and it's interesting that, you know, people, we didn't say don't go see the opera. We were, like, trying to introduce it, and that was, like you said, I think a great introduction to, because it's, there is some beautiful music that's in there, but for our production, we, we you know, skimmed it down to, uh, to two and a half hours, and, you know, in opera, you talk about, like, there's a cup of coffee right here. I can sing about that coffee for 15 minutes. <laughs> And oh, say, please oh my do. God, I want to <laughs> drink that coffee right now, but that coffee is hot. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Instead of just picking it up and go, oh, that's good. And then, <laughs> then moving on. Mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway. That's yeah. it. And I will say, it's an interesting sort of double standard that this whole controversy started with a letter from the great Stephen Sondheim, yeah. who is one of the most like amiable guys when it comes to his reinventing own right. his own right. work. So it's really interesting yeah. how that all played out and where I don't I don't want to presume to be in his mind, but right. it's just so fascinating to me because he <laughs> is the first one to let somebody try something different with his play or his his musicals which I think we all agree are classics. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never know. And I, you know, the thing is, like, it, it wasn't a hip-hop version of it. But if it had been, you know what, I think that there's a new audience for that. And so 
you know. For sure. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, all, we no. could stay the whole time on this. In your career, you've had the opportunity to be uh, someone in the room who has perhaps traditionally not been seen mm-hmm. playing a particular role. Right. And, you know, the first that comes to mind, as we mentioned in our introduction, is in 2014, you made history yeah. with Phantom. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you could share with us just a little bit of what that journey was like and, and what it meant to you personally to break that barrier. It was great. It was, you know, for years I had coveted that role. I mean, yeah. I never knew that I would uh, even be considered, but for 20 years I was I was I kept saying I want to I want to do this show well I kept going throughout the years throughout the years saying I want to play it, I want to play it luckily I was at an event that was at Kennedy Center and Renee Fleming had put this the Voices of America or something like that American Voices together and it was a whole week-long celebration of American Voices and then we had a major concert at the end but there were workshops and meetings and things like that and I happened to be on a panel of Broadway people and uh, not only performers, but people who were directors and musical directors and people like that. And people were asking me questions about um, being a, a minority in this industry, you know, uh, and things like that, and what my dream role would be. And I said, oh, I would love to play the Phantom of the Opera. And on the, si- on the panel were people who were in charge of hiring. <laughs> so I did a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> and I looked at them, and I've known them for years, but. Uh, and then they saw the concert, and I sang, um, what did I sing, that concert? Um, Make Them Hear You. Ah, appropriate. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> they and, heard. <laughs> and, and so from that conversation, um, how the universe worked, my good friend, he's like my brother, Hugh Pinero, was playing the Phantom at that time, and he wanted to kind of take a break from playing the role. So he wasn't renewing his contract, which opened up this audition. And so I got a call and said they wanted to see, see me. So I went in and I got to sing on the stage. But what was really interesting about that was I felt right before I went on stage, I felt this, I know this sounds woo woo and crazy, but I felt the souls of people before me. And even living and also passed on, Paul Robeson and all these folks, Andre De Shields. And it was in my head saying, go get it, go get it. So I went out there, did my piece. And I felt really, I couldn't have done a better audition. And I left there on a high, had no idea what was gonna happen, but I know I gave my best and it was now up to them. Um, Next thing I know, I get a phone call saying, you're hired. And that was, uh, it was, I I was thinking more about just being hired for the role instead of being the first black person to play the role on Broadway. But um, later on that came about and all of a sudden CBS and NBC and ABC come calling and wanting to do interviews and (laughs) ABC did an interview with me and it was great. Um, And two weeks later, I didn't know where it was gonna be in the the news, but I guess the, I'm gonna say the equivalent of some guy, you know, the package before me, some guy runs into a burning building and saves five people, right? And then they come back and they say, Diane Sawyer says, and next, our person of the week is Norm Lewis. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the hell? Just because I'm black? I mean, you know, I like that, but, you know, it was really but interesting. Didn't you also run into a burning building? I heard that. I think so. I think, yes, I did save, I think, yeah. six people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, top that. As the Phantom. As the with the mask on and yeah. everything. You couldn't even see out of one eye. No. But the added disability yeah. not having both of your eyes. So people slid on my cake. You, you lived in a sewer. I did. And you knew that that building building was burning so oh my god wow. you can see out of the mask though right yeah oh yeah you, you, oh. you it's not i just made that up yeah okay <laughs> i just wanted to check that would be hard my story was better yeah right? huh blind in one eye yeah blind uh, in one eye. could have been uh, yeah oh, he Deaf. oh my god couldn't move his couldn't. limbs <laughs> i will say though interestingly enough um someone wrote an article uh, or blog about their experience there and there was a a, a man who is part of an African-American fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha. And he and his wife loved the show so much. And they, they would go back and celebrate it during their anniversary. And they came on one of their anniversaries. He didn't know I was in the show. He had no idea. But he wrote this blog saying, instead of sitting back and enjoying the show, he now sat up because he saw my black hands come from underneath the cape. So uh, the show meant something completely different to him. And one of the things that he, well, a few of the things that he said was now me being in a mask, looking pristine, 
represented the fact that African Americans have to kind of make sure that they are on point in a society, and we're, you know, kind of having to to uh, be accepted by society in a certain way. Um, the noose that fell was a representative of lynching, and now it was like revenge. You know, so it, like it resonated with him. To, it didn't resonate with anyone else, but it resonated with him in a different, totally different way, just because I happen to be African-American. Softly, deftly, music shall caress you. Hear it, feel it, secretly possess you. Open up your mind, let your fantasies unwind in this darkness which you know you cannot fight. The darkness of the music of the night. Let your mind start a journey through this strange new Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, you, you mentioned Andre De Shields just now. Yeah, we had him on the show last <gasps> spring, and um, I think off uh, uh, when we weren't recording, uh, <laughs> we talked about the history of um, black actors playing Shakespeare. Uh, yeah. doing Shakespeare. Yeah, and how it's a really underappreciated aspect of theater history mm-hmm. um, and the great tradition that, that extends back. Um, you've had the opportunity to perform uh, with the public theater yeah. in the park yeah. on multiple occasions. Yeah. Um, and Joe Papp, of course, was a real champion of pushing barriers right. with, with uh, uh, you know, breaking the, the so-called rules, right. if you will, and having actors of all different backgrounds um, and skin color and ability play mm-hmm. parts. Um, do you find that, um, that, that we're still sort of struggling with making people have the imagination, you know, producers or directors have the imagination to, to imagine what parts people can play? Or, or is it getting better? Is it truly getting better? It's definitely getting better. It's, it, there's still a, an interesting struggle because I, I guess under, uh, like economically, I understand in a way, like this whole controversy about The Little Mermaid being an, uh, a little African-American girl. Oh. And it, <laughs> oh my God. Controversy in square. Oh my God. Quotes, well, right? it was so I interesting. Mean, it's like, she's a, she's a mermaid. <laughs> she's a fictional character, so she could be anything. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think people are opening their eyes a little bit more. Obviously, Hamilton did a lot for that. That kind of busted the door down mm-hmm. for certain things. And now people are being considered yeah. for different roles uh, and non traditionally. Um, it was, it was, there were smatterings of it before, but now I think it's a little bit better. Um, and I think that it's going to definitely continue on that path. I don't want people to stunt cast either. I don't want to say, I don't want people to go just happy to have, like doing it for a trendy sort of thing. Right, right. I, I would l- love to 
you know, compete with my colleagues who happen to be white and, uh, or of different ethnicities. Uh, and the best man wins, but definitely just put me in the room, mm -hmm. you know? That's um, exactly, we, we, we also had Tara Rubin, the casting yeah. director on our show, and that was a point she made very clear, that one of her goals is to just put people in the room. Right. And yeah. you're absolutely right, because let, let's get to a point where we just stop having this conversation, right. and everybody's in the room together. Right. That's right. where we want the to be. The talent speaks for itself. Right. Exactly. Right. I mean, obviously, I can't, I can't play Huck Finn in Big River. That's because the show is about race. Right. If it's about race, yeah, no, that's not happening. But, I mean, there's arguments for, uh, I've even saw in one, I normally don't read comments, but I saw in one comment about uh, me playing Javert, uh, and they were like, I like Norm, but, you know, him playing Javert, that just doesn't seem right. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, obviously you didn't do your history, because there were, there was, um, um, uh, now I'm forgetting the guy's name, I should know this off the top of my head, but there was a general who was black, in France at that time. Mm. So you can't say that there was no black people in power in France right. at that time in history. Um, there, was a, there was a lot of controversy about Audra McDonald playing Mother Superior in The Sound of Music on television when they did it with Carrie Underwood. And I heard one person say, how could they let someone of her species play <gasps> that role? Yeah, oh. I mean, they went that far. Uh. So obviously that person didn't do their homework because at that time in history, there was a black mother superior just 200 miles away yeah. from where it was, it took, that took place. So before you make comments like that, <laughs> do your history. Yeah. Yeah. Do your history. <laughs> Well, I have a few things to say. First of all, mermaids are real. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, that's okay. I apologize. It's, right. it's quite all right. Um, Look at the right, stuff. Right. That's okay. Um, second knee. of all, I will compete with you anytime, any place for do any it. role. Okay. Um, but third, um, you mentioned you played Javert. Yeah. My name is. That was another breaking another barrier. You were the first African American actor to play that role in a professional English production. Thank you very much. Thank and you. What is it about Les Mis? <laughs> what is it about Les Mis that keeps drawing you back? You know. That show, I don't know. They hit. It was a perfect storm. They they read that damn fifteen thousand page book, and condensed it into. Uh, I think and initially, I think it actually was four hours, and then they got it down to three, which was good. But um, I don't know. It resonates with people, and so obviously for thirty five years now, I guess. And I remember sitting next to a guy years ago before I was even in the show, and I went to see some friends of mine that were on tour, and this dude was sitting next to me, and he was like bending down, and he was coming back up, and he was breathing hard, and he was just restless, and I'm thinking, if you didn't want to be here, you should have gone, you know, stayed your ass home. All right, well, during intermission, he gets up, and he goes to the bathroom, and his girlfriend or wife at, uh, was sitting next to him, leans over to me, and she says, I'm so sorry, I am so, Sorry that if he's bothering you, I said no, it's it's fine. You know, <laughs> it's fine. She said you have to understand. He is into this show so much. His, I think his mom had just passed away, and so all of those deaths that were happening in the first act just hit him really hard. He was crying. That's what was happening. Wow. And he was enjoying the show, but it was like he it was coming it off was, like I hate. <laughs> I've had it. So I, I had a little bit more sympathy for him when he came back for the second act. And um, but I've heard stories like that. There are so many people who are not even into musical theater who love this show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've had several people who have recognized me not from Scandal, not from any you know anything else, but. They said, oh, you're that dude that was <laughs> the 25th anniversary of Les Mis. Uh, you know, I love the show, and I've done it now four different times. So, yeah. I love yeah. it. It'd be interesting to pinpoint what it is specifically about Les Mis that draws in the audience that it does. Because it is one of those shows that is a first show for many, many people. Yeah. It's, again, another show that's brought people into the theater that wouldn't normally come. So it's... What is it? I don't know. And we're not going to. We're not going to answer magic. it. No. Right. But but it's fascinating because yeah. it. You would think that you would be more recognized from a television program than you would from from. A, a, like a DVD, a, yeah, yeah, or from, PBS. Exactly. Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're. But you just said you're not, and yeah. it's. I find that fascinating. It's there's yeah. something about that story that really gets to everyone. Yeah. Bring him peace. Bring him joy, 
illusion He is only a boy You can take You can give Let him be constructed such an amazing career on versatile, you know, in stage, television, film, concerts, recording studio. I kind of want to know twofold. What advice would you give to someone starting out? And what's the best piece of advice you got? Maybe they're one and the same. I, I, I think what I came here, I, I came, I'm a late bloomer. So I came here like I was 26 going on 27. And a lot of my colleagues who had just moved here had just gotten out of college. So they were like 21, 22. So uh, I, I was envious of them in the beginning because of you know, their training and the brotherhood and sisterhood that they had gone through for those four years. But I came from a business background. I worked in advertising. So I got to basically, you know, that was acting in itself. <laughs> um, but for me, I think it was like, you know what? This is just, just do it or die. Uh, I remember going to every audition. I always tell people, just show up. Just show up um, because unless they specifically asked for blonde hair, blue eyes, and boobs, I was there. Mm -hmm. I came, you know, I went and got my my number at uh, six o'clock in the morning, and sometimes I wasn't seen until like three in the afternoon or whatever. But I came to New York from Orlando or from this small town called Eatonville in Florida. I came here for on a purpose, and I said I'm going to work no matter what. I don't know where I'm going to work, but I'm going to work no matter what. And so I think that's... that's Just show up. Just do, it or, show do it or, up. or die. Do it or die. Love it. You know what I mean? Like, love why it. move to New... I mean, I love New York, but it's expensive <laughs> as heck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> know your purpose. I mean, yeah. It seems to be the yeah. other... The, yeah. The I mean, I've had several right. friends who moved here after I did, and they ended up getting jobs as waiters, and then they became the head waiter, and then they became manager, and... And and I and nothing's wrong with that, but it's like you can be a waiter in Orlando <laughs> instead of living here. Why would you put yourself through this? Because New York, if you're not ready, it'll eat you up. And it know? smells in the summer. And it smells it's in the fierce. summer. Yeah. It's fierce. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's very real. Yeah. <laughs> well, you already sort of nodded to this earlier, but you've tackled so many iconic roles throughout your career. We haven't even mentioned Sweeney Todd. Oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> right? But I know time is, time is short. Um, but Javert, <laughs> Porgy, Phantom, Billy Flynn, yeah. Harold Hill, you just did. Yeah. Um, is there another leading man? On your bucket list, well, you know, your bucket list I've that you'd been, like to tackle. I've been lucky to play, you know, a lot of these different roles, and you know, there was, uh, you know, uh, Curtis and Dreamgirls, things like that, and with Jennifer Holiday. Oh, you know, I, oh, oh my God, <laughs> Jamie's um, clutching his. I know. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I also remember the Actors Fund, yeah, the where Actors you played Fund. Curtis, which was probably one of the greatest nights. With the Lily theater. as well. Well, and yeah. also, again, that was a perfect storm. We had just two weeks before that was 9-11, and so we needed a relief. Yeah. And so many people loved the show. And, I mean, that show, I didn't realize who was in the audience until afterwards. Had I known that, I don't know if I would have gone out. But if, and this, is, this sounds horrible and morbid, but if there was a bomb that was blown up on, in that theater, all of industry, uh, the, in, this industry would have been, like, on hold for years. But we would have gone out happy. Happy, yes, truly. So, <laughs> but. Yeah. But I just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the one that came to mind recently, and I never thought about this before, was uh, Henry Higgins in My Fair Lady. I love that, that show so much. Oh, yeah. um, I just would have to brush up on my British <laughs> accent. But, but yeah, I love Henry Higgins. And I, love, I love what I saw. I saw Laura Benanti play it yeah, with that see. wonderful English actor. And I can't think of his name right now. But they had such a chemistry. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, I would have loved to have done, like, had a crack at that. But... 
Who knows? Okay. Well, if someone's listening, yeah, never right? too late. Yeah, because <laughs> right, there aren't very many leading roles left for you to play. You've well, done them all. I was hoping to, you know, maybe change Scott Rudin's mind about uh, Harold Hill, but obviously Hugh Jackman beat me out. Oh, <laughs> whatever, Hugh Jackman, Norm Lewis. Who is that? Hugh Jackman? Who is that? Hugh Jackman that guy. <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe when he leaves, maybe I can fill in. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Norm, you've been very generous with your time. I want to thank you for coming down. It's but over. No, no, no. Before we let you go, we have one more question. That yes. we wanted to ask you, and we ask everyone this, and that question is, what was that thing that made you want to be uh, an actor, a, a performer? That thing. Wow. I think it was when I discovered that I had a voice, and I got my first solo. Uh, I was, uh, so that was my junior year when I got into uh, chorus, and then the senior year, I had seen that there was a separate chorus that was part of the bigger chorus, which was the dance ensemble. <laughs> And so I auditioned and got into that. We were called Great Feelings. And um, I know, don't judge me. But what was the song? Well, I got that great feeling coming around, filling up inside me. Yeah, great feeling. I think we can just call it love. Anyway, um, but I remember getting a solo, and it was my first solo was um, I'm getting bugged driving up and down the same old strip. I got to find a new place where the kids. And so that was from the Beach Boys. And I, people were like, oh my God, you. Oh, you slammed that. You know, I don't know if they used slam back in that day, but you did really well. So you were heavy. Uh, no, you were groovy, man. Far out. Far out. You were far out, dude. You were rad. Jen, um, Cody, Jen Cody's been trying to make stove a thing for years. Stove? Stove. Like, oh, that's hot. You know, she's like, that's so stove. She's Jen, trying to make it She's Jen, trying to make it a thing. Stop, stop. No, yeah. Stop, no. Jen. Stop trying gonna, to make stove. It's not going to happen, It's not going to happen. Gonna happen. But no, I think that's when it, it kind of hit me. I was like, oh. Oh, because this is almost like a therapy session, but I grew up playing tennis, um, uh, and I was good. I was a really good player. I traveled the United States playing as a young kid, but I wasn't great. And by the time I hit 18 years old, because I had been benefited with um, playing, not necessarily for free, but cheaply, uh, when I hit 18, I knew it was going to be more expensive after that. And so I said, I'm not great. I'm not great and I can't afford it to go on. So I found a new love, and I think that's what uh, that singing and getting the uh, appreciation for that really helped a lot. And you're well, pretty great. Oh, stop! Yeah. You're pretty great yeah. at it. And you give you us know? all great feelings. You do. Great feelings. So you tied that in? I guess you're yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Oh, thank We think you. you're stove. Oh. <laughs> Maybe you know what Jim, Jim might have happen. something. Yeah. Hashtag Jen Cody. Hashtag Jen. Stove. Oh my God, you guys are so stove. <laughs> so stove. Well, Norm Lewis, thank you very thank much. Thank you. I, Did you have one more question? No, no, no. I was just saying, one we more can't question. wait to see your concert tonight. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. We're very it's much gonna be fun. To I'm, yeah. I'm honored to be a part of this. So, and also, can I just say I'm honored to be a part of this, uh, the fabulous invalid because. I had no idea. Now I'm going to be a big, big, big fan and listen to it all Thank the time. You. Thank you. Yeah. Rob here with You May Be Wondering. We just finished our conversation with Norm Lewis, who in addition to being one of Broadway's best actors and singers, has also made history twice as the first African-American actor to play the role of Javert in a professional English production of Les Mis, and the first African-American actor to play the title role in The Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. I was fortunate to catch a performance of his Phantom, and he was, as always, just terrific. You may have noticed, though, that I qualified his barrier-breaking success by adding that he was the first African-American actor to play the Phantom on Broadway. You may be wondering, who did it before Norm, and where? Well, in 1990, just two years after the Broadway premiere of The Phantom of the Opera, black actor and singer Robert Guillaume was cast in the Los Angeles production of Phantom. A celebrated star with extensive credits on stage, in film, and on television, Guillaume is probably best known today for playing Benson in the television series Soap and its more popular spin-off, Benson. But what folks might not know is that he dreamed of being an opera singer as a child and got his start in musical comedy, performing on Broadway in Quamina, Pearly, and the legendary all-black production of Guys and Dolls in 1976, for which he received Tony and Drama Desk Award nominations for his portrayal of Nathan Detroit. He later voiced the character of Rafiki in The Lion King and starred in Aaron Sorkin's Sports Night. Guillaume passed away in 2017, just a month shy of his 90th birthday, 
but he left behind an extraordinary tradition and legacy of versatility and barrier breaking that Norm Lewis holds claim to today. As Broadway makes greater strides towards inclusivity and more color conscious casting, as writer David Henry Huang puts it, it's worth taking a moment to celebrate the men and women who have been pioneers in proving what should be obvious, that great actors of any color can and should take on the great roles of the stage. Thanks to great actors like Robert Guillaume and Norm Lewis, progress is being made. Jennifer here. That's our show. Thanks for listening. You can hear us anytime on iTunes. The Fabulous Invalid is a production of O&M Etc. and The Fabulous Invalid LLC and a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. Our theme music is by Lucky Chops. Today's episode was edited and engineered by Aaron Kaufman. You can find us online at thefabulousinvalid.com and on social media at Fabulous Invalid and on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. And be sure to tune in next Wednesday. Theme music play out, I feel good. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.